what are you really doing? What are you, how are you growing during all this time? When you're on the phone as much as I am, um, man, it's hard not to just because I'm pretty curious by nature. So I like to, I like to kind of pick guys' brains, I like to ask a lot of questions. I like to try to, you know, keep a pulse of, of, of what others are doing and not to go against what I'm doing, but just so I kind of get a feel for, you know, Hey, that's a good idea. I could do that. Like I was talking with um, the head coach at Washington state uh, who I worked with at Kentucky and we were breaking it down. And, and I just said, so man, what are you doing with your staff right now? He said, every, every uh, Friday we do a virtual happy hour. And, uh, and they're all like in the same area. Well, I've got now nine assistant coaches on our staff and we've got a guy still living in Nevada. We got a guy still living in Michigan. We got a player living in Florida, a guy living in Florida, and then everybody else is in the Georgia area. So every Friday we do virtual happy hour um, just as a way to, you know, at five o'clock and, and we're all together and we're on a call. We can talk a little bit and uh, share a drink and laugh. And um, so things like that, but a lot of phone calls, a lot of Zooms, all that, all that stuff that's keeping me, keeping me dialed in. That's, so is that what you're kind of with your, with your own kids too, your own team? Uh, yeah, so we've, we've got out of, um, you know, semester ended, we had our exit meetings, we had all that kind of stuff. And so we're building now moving forward, we're building this next team. And um, it's starting with a tech, we have a group, group me chat, group me account, and uh, starting with that and really trying to build some rapport in there, which is which is pretty awesome to watch already um, with our current commits. And then obviously the, the players from last year's team and then uh, our coaches. And uh, we're going to build the team through the summer, which is such a unique opportunity. We've never, you know, you've never had that as a coach. Like you always kind of end your season and uh, you get into recruiting and they go to play summer ball and everybody's getting, you're, you're checking in, but man, we all don't have summer ball and we all don't have anything else to do. And so we're literally going to take these next three months and we're going to start building our team. So that way, when everybody shows up in August, we just hit the ground and running. Uh, so we got a lot of really good plans lined up for these guys as we move forward. So your so your twenty twenty one or twenty twenty recruits, you guess you're you're done. Uh, I wouldn't say we're done. We're still yeah yeah we're still uh, we got a few more guys to sign. Uh, I think we got about four or five roster spots we're trying to fill right now. Okay, okay. So Working like what you, you just said. So you just said uh, I guess earlier about like you know, the coach talked about the virtual happy hours. You know you've you've just thousands thousands of these hours of interviews and a coach from all around the world how do you balance like the top things that you've heard and said yep I'm going to put that in my program um you know I think you you're always listening to what others are doing I'm always just ears are open I'm always intrigued I'm always curious about that kind of stuff <clears throat> because I think you you know success leaves clues so I'm going to follow really good programs and I'm going to get on the phone. I'm going to ask some questions. I'm going to pay attention and I'm going to watch social media. I'm going to kind of see, you know, what are the insights into what they're doing? And I think you take that information tray and you just look at it and say, you know, you can't do everything. You can't, you know, and I've got buddies who do this and, and I, you know, I've, I've asked them to just think about it differently. Like, Hey, I'm looking out for you. You can't change your whole philosophy every single year. Like I'm a new guy because I met this guy and he said I should do this. And now the whole thing's flipped on its head. You can't, I don't think you can be that way in this game. It's like the, um, the first time you go to ABCA convention and you're on the, the, the flight home, you're like, oh my God, I, I mean, I got to do everything. Well, 
sweet. You just did all this other stuff throughout the entire fall. And now in January, before you start playing in February or March, you're going to flip it all in its head. Like that's what the young coach does. When the older coach starts to realize that these things work for me, these things work for our kids and these things work for our situation, and our program. And that's what you got to kind of sort through is that, you know, the, the coach <clears throat> at school X is having a lot of success and man, maybe there's something to that. I like the way he structured that bullpen. Um, I like, uh, I like the way they did this drill and training. Like you can pull stuff like that all day long, but I think it's when you're constantly taking your rooted philosophy of what you're building your team on and like the language and the, you know, and you're just flipping it over and over again. And that's what you, I think as coaches, we kind of have to just be mindful of that you should, you should take the information you have at the time you have it and you should boil it down to its simplest form and where you land. And that, that should be your North star. And if you start following that path, you're probably going to end up where you're trying to go. Now, does it morph? Does it change? Does it adapt? Does it enhance other things and decrease others? Absolutely. It's always has an ebb and flow to it. I just think, man, you know, and again, I'm just, I'm thinking of the extreme here is just some coaches that, you know, Hey, this, this, this is our word this year. And this word just, it does, this is everything for us. And then the next year it's like, Hey, all that stuff I was talking about last year, forget about it. It's now this word, this phrase. And, and that's cool. Cause everybody needs kind of like that, that North star, but you just, you know, if you're trying to build consistency, I guess that's what I'm trying to get back to. If you're trying to build consistency, well, the consistency, you know, as the, you'll be the head coach. So you should be the most consistent person in the room. So you need to spend time knowing how you're engineered, the way that, you know, you feel like a program should go or a team should be built. And not that it doesn't morph, but man, it's pretty consistent because that's what the kids are going to crave is that structure and that organization that, Hey, I know what to expect when I get there. And I know it's going to get dialed up in certain areas, but it's not like, Hey, bag all that. And now we're going to do this. That's, that's the scary part when you have those conversations. When you think of consistency, you know, what were some of the biggest guys that you've seen, you know, that you've, you know, you have such a tremendous experience and perspective on things is what, what, what consistency has really shown out to you when you've had these conversations with coaches and. Well, I think, um, you know, the, the, I mean, gosh, you look at uh, coaches that have built their programs up to a point and then they've remained at that point and there's a system there that that's the um, I was talking with a couple coaches uh, a couple weeks ago about that. Like when you really boil into programs, there's a system and you know, it, again, it goes back to what we were just talking about a minute ago. They have figured out what works for them. Like there's one, you know, high profile program that they know, I mean, based on numbers, based on, you know, track record that if they get to this number of wins, and they hit this many doubles, and they score this many amount of runs, and they, you know, and they have this checklist. They know that if they go to and get these goals, that not only will they be a top 20, top 15, possibly top 10 program, but they're going to host a regional and, again, give themselves a chance to jump into a super and hopefully go to, go to Omaha. And that's their system. And it's hard to argue it. Like, I mean, it works for them. It, like, could it be tweaked? Could it be adjusted? You know, absolutely. But I think they start to figure out what works for them. Well, it's the same way with, um, you know, another, again, high-profile uh, organization that their system 
is a little less on that front, but it's a lot more on standards and expectations. And this is what, this is what a player in our program looks like. This is how he trains. This is how we, this is how we teach that like, so it's a little bit less numbers driven and more expectation behavior driven. And that's their system and it works for them. And that's what, you know, helps them find consistency. And it's a, it's a program that's ranked in the top five to 10 every single year. And so you just look at it as, you know, one of the hardest things to do is build a good team. That's one of the the toughest things to do. Anybody can roll out of bed and win, but man, it's really like building a great team and that's awesome for one year, but then you got to do it again. And I think the part that, um, and I talked about this at, at ABCA in January is that an older coach hit me with this Trey, And I think it's extremely important to, to acknowledge is that we're all chasing like this, this level of greatness and this like eliteness. And that's not there. Like that's not for us to have, and it's not for us to judge and it's not for us to go grab. We got to work at being really good today. Then we got to be really good tomorrow. And we got to be really good a week from now. And then at the course of the season, we got to be really good. And the next year, we got to come out and be really good again. And then the next year after that, be really good. And 10 years from now, still be really good. Like, you can't skip the step of being good to jump to greatness. You have to be good for a long period of time. And at the end of that long period of time, someone looks back and says, that's a great team. And that, for me, is is how I've tried to simply boil down the definition of consistency is whether it's fundamentals, whether it's communication, uh, whether it's team chemistry, whether it's work ethic, whether it's, you know, what any bucket you want to open up inside building a team, building a program, then we've got to work to be really good at that thing. Not great, just really good at it. And then we got to, again, be consistent with that. So, if I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at all the various ways, like you mentioned earlier, of how we're communicating with our team. So as much as, you know, a group text has worked for us, awesome. Well, now we have Zoom in our lives. You know, it was always there, but we've never used it in baseball. Well, now it's, it, it'll be part of what we do with our team this summer. We'll have, you know, probably every other week a Zoom call. And that'll allow us to, again, work to be better, work to be great, you know, really good at communication. And that's going to carry over in everything we do. We're, we're evaluating how we trained this entire year. How can that be better? How can we dial that up? How can we change that? How can we, you know, how can we teach better? You know, we have a classroom session each and every day with our guys. And how can that be better? How can I be more organized for it? How can I have more of a, almost like a flow of content that I know that I'm going to start with th- these ideas. And I'm going to work into these ideas. I'm going to try to find ways to get them up in front of the classroom to talk because public speaking is like the biggest fear on earth. So I'm going to, you know, absolutely attack that because we're just going to move past that, that timidness. Um, you start to look at those things because I think if I'm, if you're taking every bucket and you're building them up, then that's getting us closer to being really good. And if we can be really good, we're just going to try to, again, maintain, if not build upon that level. Um, but man, you start to see the best of the best realize that they're, I hate to keep making the same point, but they just realize what works for them, what works for their program, what works for your program probably won't work for mine because you're, you, you know, you're in Maryland, I'm in Georgia. 
there's just dynamics there that are different. Your program does this, we do that. Like it's, but you've got to use what works for you and your personality, what works for you and your kids, and obviously what what fits your system. Wow, that was that's a ton of great things that we can go a bunch of different ways. Um, but I agree, it's almost like habit stacking too. You know, you lead James Clear with habits. It's, it's a habit stacking of like what you're talking about each day. Stacking good days upon good days, you become great when you look over it. Um, you know, just similar like to when you were doing all those podcasts when you were ABCA, and just, you just stack great podcasts with a great podcast, great content, and then you know it just exploded. Um, you well, I think systems came up a lot. Systems came up a lot, and that's something that's been on my mind. You know, as, as I've, I've continued to get older, um, looking at what our system was. You know, as I made a change to work in the summer, like looking at my system. Yeah. Um. How, and and you have now seen unheard of all those different systems and you've, what system have you brought to GCC? So I think, uh, I guess, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're still building ours. Sure. Uh, I think when, when you go through the process and, and of course I had a really good, uh, insight into the program, the previous head coach and I were, were really close and, we had done a, a roadshow episode there. So I'd been around the facility and met the athletic director, met the, you know, the, the, the team and the coaches. Um, so I had a pretty good idea walking into it. And I think when you, it's much different. The situation that I think you can kind of fill in three different platforms is you get a new job and either the program was five and 45 and you've got to take everything and just put it in trash bag and move and, and just, Hey, forget about all that. And now we got to start from scratch. Like starting from scratch is a, is a different approach that some coaches find themselves in. Then you've got like that middle of the road program and you can't ignore the fact they're middle of the road. So that something got them to that level. And that's the, you know, bigger idea, Trey, is that in the course of, of climbing these steps, if, if you're thinking as a coach, like I'm trying to climb the ladder you know, hey, we, we, we won 15, let's win 30, we won 30, let's win 40, we won 40, let's, you know, get to a regional. Uh, now that we've gotten to a regional, let's win a regional. Now that we've won a regional, let's get to the World Series. Now that, you know, now that we've got to the World Series, can we win it? And you start to try to climb the ladder. Well, you, you don't just like roll out of bed and say, hey, man, we're winning the whole thing. Like that doesn't work. So like the middle of the road guy finds himself in a, in a, in a let's say an average program well, I think he's got, in my opinion, he's got to look at that a little bit differently than the rebuild. He's got to say, hey, man, what what got us to this midpoint? So there are some things that worked, whether it was recruiting a certain way or there was a certain philosophy on the field that, that worked for these guys. Um, something got them to the middle point. Okay, now you acknowledge that, but then you also got to come in and bring your system. Now, there's probably a little bit of, yeah, we've got to flip some things. We've got to do some things different, but that's a much different than a rebuild. The third element is, man, when the program's been really good, then all you got to do is figure out what, what are the missing links. Like, where are the parts that we've just fallen short that made that take us to the next level? So that's the situation I found myself in at Georgia Gwinnett is that, you know, they had seven-year-old program when I got here. They averaged 47 wins per year. I mean, I'll sign off on that right now. If you can roll out Ben and tell me we'll win 47, I'll sign off on that. In seven years, they've been to three World Series. That's unprecedented. Um, when you talk about a uh, program in seven years to put 21 kids into professional baseball. So obviously something's going right. So I knew, you know, in my heart of hearts, I can't, as much as 
agree or disagree or, hey, that's what I would do or not do, you can't come into that situation with those those players and say, hey, I know you've won a lot of games and you just, by the way, got back from back-to-back World Series, but let me tell you all the things you did wrong. You can't approach it that way. You, you have to look at it. And that, honestly, Trey, now that I'm you know talking this through, that was the absolute best thing for me and my personality because I am extremely impatient. Like that is my, that's one of my curses is just that patience level. Certainly kids have helped with that. Um, but I'm telling you, man, like I, I came into my previous head coaching job saying, man, and they were, they were right there, man. I, I, I just didn't acknowledge it. They were right there in that middle ground, ready to make the jump. But I felt like I had to flip everything and it, and it was fine. We won some games, whatever, but I would have done it a little bit differently looking back with some maturity with this one. It's going, Hey man, these things work you know, Hey, the way this is all kind of segmented and you know, these little areas work, but man, here's where I fill the gaps. And so I looked at year one and said, man, I'm going to approach it with a, I'm going to try in essence to not change anything, but in essence, I'm changing everything. And I think you do that by empowering the people around you. I empowered our assistant coaches to see the change and be part of that change. I empowered our players to see the change and, and, and obviously empower them to want to be part of that change. And I had a, a meeting with my athletic director uh, a couple of days ago and we were talking that through and he said, you know, how do you feel after year one? And I said, uh, well, you know, I think, and I express this to him in, in other ways, like I have a three tier in my mind, a three tier system At, by the end of year three, this, this thing will be as dialed in as, as the way that I see this going year two that we're walking into, we're taking some steps forward, but year one, man, I tried to do almost the the minimum amount that I felt like wouldn't buck everybody in the room. Like, holy smokes, man, this guy's doing it. So I just changed what I needed to change and I changed the things and I filled the gaps where I knew there were deficiencies. And, you know, you, you got to see the results on the field. We won some games and, and had the tightest team I've ever coached in my life and just really good things, positive things were happening. And so I, I was telling him that and he goes, you don't think you changed anything? And I was like, well, I mean, you know, yeah, a couple things, but he goes, dude, you've changed everything. And I said, that's interesting because again, where I sleep at night, it's like, nope, wait till year two. Wait till you see the things that get dialed up, the things that get adjusted and the areas we'll excel at. And, um, you know, and there's, there's plenty of those things. When you're head coach, you, you, you boil them down even further than, than your assistants will. Uh, we got to be better at, at these things. And when we are, man, our, our program takes a jump. So um, the system, I guess, uh, is, is one that we're still in the works of building. But I think at the end of the day, it, it doesn't stray far from trust and love. Those are the two words that we say the most. Um, they're the two words that we think we live the most. So our system is built on trust and love and, and everything literally like a tree branches off of those two thoughts. And, and that goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago, Trey, sorry to, to keep going. But like when you, when you know what you're, you know, you want it to look like it's the same way, man, you got to keep boiling that thing down. Cause if you have 15 different checkpoints for your guys, dude, they don't remember three of them, you know? And so I kept looking at, well, I want all these things to happen, but how can I keep, um, and again, I was thinking about it in buckets and I keep like, well, that, that, that fits here and this fits here and that, that would work there and that would work there. And then when you look at those like 
seven buckets and you say, gosh, I think I can combine some of these. I can put this one in this one. This one goes in here. Now you're down to four and you're like, man, I think we can boil them down even four. And I've kept until I got to it simplest form for us, it's trust and love. Everything we do comes off trust and love. Uh, that encompasses communication, encompasses training, it encompasses uh, player to player relationships, coach to player, player to coach relationships. Uh, it encompasses uh, the way we play. Um, I mean, all those things come back to trust and love. So now if I've boiled it down to those two things and those are at the forefront, that's what our system is. Our system is built on those two words and everything flows off that. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It just brings me back to what we were just talking about, the two different programs. And I can kind of see exactly where you fall in there because you talk about two programs. One says, I'm going to meet this amount of wins. I'm going to do this to this to get the regional, this to do this. And it seemed like you said, here's my other program that talks about standards and uh, expectations. And that's exactly what, what I'm assuming that that's the kind of program that you have. And that's yeah. what really uh, is, is like yours, um, which is funny. That's exactly how I run my program as well, based off of, you know, what we used to have is, is core covenants. It was all about selflessness, compete, hustle, and hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and as I'm going into a new program, kind of bringing in those same things where it all is going to start from there because yep. it, it sh- like you said, it shows up in training. It shows up when you're working together, when your shows up off the field and all know the field. Um, sure. And so I'm, I'm very like that too. But at the same time, you do have to have buckets of things that like when I say competing, it's a matter of how do you compete? Well, we're process oriented. So when we're looking at these, yeah. things, you know, first pitch strikes, so we're looking at, you know, get retired the first batter, you know, those kind of big checkpoints things. And yeah. um, for sure. So it, it seems to me like you're definitely, you know, you want to dive into some culture stuff. Sure. Yeah. So it definitely seems like that's kind of where you were. I mean, so as you've done that, uh, you know, is that something you rolled out trust and love? Is that something that you rolled out to your guys? And that's something that you're kind of building off each week, each day? Um, Yeah, we, it's a great question. So we looked at, um, I've worked off the experience I had as a first time head coach and, uh, and I've told this story a lot, but I just, you know, you, you, I just didn't know any better. I think I, at the time I was, shoot, man, when I was a 32 or something like that. And I just wanted to be a head coach so bad I couldn't see straight. And I finally get the opportunity to be a head coach. And I just didn't have the – I was talking with a coach last night about it. I think as head coaches, you have to be so dialed into the big picture. Let me say that better. As a head coach, you can never land at being short-sighted. Like you can't just make decisions for today. You can't, you just can't. The decision you make today affects you tomorrow, which might affect you next week, which could affect you next year. And so literally, and and, and again, I'll be like, I always try to be extremely transparent on this. We had to release a player off this year's team, one of our better players, but he didn't go to class and he had an awful GPA and God bless him. I love him to death. He is one of my favorite people and it, it, like hurts my heart. And he calls me yesterday and he's trying to kind of beg his way back on. I'm trying to help him find a place to go play. And he's, Hey, can I, can I really, you know, Hey, can we, and I said, I'm just going to tell you something, man, you, you know how I run shop. You, you've been around me for a year. You know that my word is everything. I mean, it's old, you know, Tony Montana stuff. I mean, like I, I mean, my word is everything to me. So when I tell you guys something, dude, I never back down off that. Like once I make my decision, I'm pretty married to it. 
And I said, so you, you're saying to me that I should, because you were a good player, say, hey, I know I took this stance on academics, guys, but you know what? I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it's one of our better players. Try, you know, so, I mean, we kind of need him, don't we? Like, you know, so, I'll, you know, I'll let this one slide. I was like, can you imagine what that decision today, Lugo, because I mean, you're, you're, you're pouring at my heart. Like, can you imagine what that decision today could affect me tomorrow? Could affect this program next week? Could affect this program in our group chat tonight when they hear that I went back against my word? I was like, dude, that's the thing, man. It's not, it's not about moments. It's about looking at the bigger picture. The head coach has to see it all. I'm trying, you know, we're building in this in year two because I know what it's going to look like in year three because I know what I want it to look like in year 10. Like that's the, 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 the complete vision you have to have. So back to being a first time head coach, I call all 30 new players and I have 30 different individual conversations with them. And uh, by the time we got to our first team meeting, those conversations were so misconstrued and thrown off and, you know, just the, the players had so many ideas flown because there was 30 different ideas and it just, none of them were right. And I had to like literally dispel them all and then get everybody back on the same page and start building from there. And I went into this year with, when I got the job <clears throat> that I would call every single player the night I got the job. So that was the biggest thing for me is the first day I'm announced, you're going to hear from me. And it took about five and a half hours, but I called every single guy and I made sure they heard the exact same message. It sounded like a tape recorder and my wife made fun of me because of it. But like that, that was important to me. The messaging was deliberate and in hearing them from, from the first time say, I'm trusting you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to get on you at a 10, but I'm going to love you at a 20. Um, you're my guy, man. I can't wait to see you. I can't pick you out of a crowd right now, but I promise when I see you, I'll give you a hug. And it just, like the first time I showed up on campus, I ran into this group of 12 pitchers. They were doing some workouts. And literally, I'm hugging all of them. They're like, oh, man, he was for real. First time he met us, he's hugging us. Like, it's not about handshakes. Like, so you start to um realize that as a head coach man you don't, you don't have to be perfect but you better be deliberate and that kind of comes back to um the culture that that we're trying to build and we and we also we call it environment as well like that culture is like a measurement of the environment you've created and so the environment we're trying to create is one that you can feel trust and love and so like you mentioned earlier I, we don't have rules if you, if you called one of my players right now and said, hey, name me all the rules that you guys have, there isn't one rule that I've given them. I've given them championship expectations. Championship teams act this way. They train this way. They play this way. They go to the classroom in this way. They in the weight room. They train this way. Like th This is the standard in which we're trying to build it. And within that, like I talked about ownership earlier, Trey, like they need to have ownership in it. So it can't just be my vision. It can't just be what I want out of the program. It's got to be what they want. And so it's my job as a head coach to get in front of them and explain and detail and then also exhibit the behavior, the language, the, the actions that, that we will define as a group as championship expectations. And so, you know, we, and there's a thousand moments to point to, but when you start kind of boiling all that up, you, 
you get to, again, back to the point, like you changed everything. And I don't know, man, I, 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 there's a lot of things that I let carry over because I didn't want to buck the system, but there's a lot of things I know that just, man, that stuff doesn't matter. And that, that's what you start to figure out, I think, as a head coach. I think you, my first year, it was change everything and control everything. And also, I was the guy with a clean-shaven face. And I was a guy that wouldn't let hair touch their collar. And everybody had to wear the uniform. And, and look, there's nothing wrong with any of that. I would just challenge that train of thought and say, do you think that beard really prevents him from throwing strikes? Like, do you really? Um, I get the team aspect. I get all that, man. But, like, and I'm from that era – but like this things that I've just like, let it go, man. Like it's, it, at the end of the day, it's really about this. This is about letting players play. So I'm teaching them and I'm hard on them. And no player, if you called them said, man, I didn't teach them. Like we are on top of them. But at the same time, when it's game day, that's their day. If we, if we really believe that trainings for us, game days for them, then you got to show them that that's what you believe. And my job is to have a front row seat to the best college baseball team in the country. That's my job. I get to watch them play, watch them compete, and stay out of their way. And um, that, that's a cultural aspect as well. That comes back to trust, mm-hmm. and it comes back to love. I mean, all those things, uh, you know, come right back to the same two tenets. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that hits home. Yeah, uh, it did. It did, man. I mean, it's just from so many different levels. I mean, it's just that it's built with a ton of – ton of things we could get into. I love when you talked about the cultures and measurement of the environment that you've created. Um, loved how you talked about how we also need to be the example, um, you know, because that, I think that's a difference in, in, in definitely in, in today's game and just today's society is we can't have anybody in a leadership position that's in a say, say it used to be just do what I say, not as I do. Now it's like, you better walk it. If you're going to say it, you better walk it or you're not, you know, it's just what it is. And it's very tough for anybody. And I, I think that's why it's hard for people to get into leadership responsibilities because you do, you have to, you're, you're separating yourselves right from the get go. Cause right. The first thing is you're going to get blown up on social media. You're going to blown up here and say like, well, this guy, it's just really tough. <laughs> I think and to your point, <clears throat> I think as coaches, I think that is, one of the most crucial decisions you have to make when you decide to coach. Are you going to be willing to walk the walk? And, dude, it's extremely easy to talk it. And that's, that's, I love doing interviews like this. And I, I, had a, I, had a, I did one a few weeks ago, and a guy texted me. He said, I mean, do, do, do you really do that in your program? Is that – you don't have a rule? You, Oh, it's easy to go on an interview and talk about who you want to be and what you're trying to do and what you'd like to see it go. But, dude, I'll sit here and tell you, dude, I've cried in front of my team. Um, I have literally come into classroom a little unprepared, and they've called me out on it. Um, I have made decisions and done things in game. I literally, hey, you got to outdo bad coaching today, boys. That's a bad call on my part. Like, Dude, that, that part of leadership is the willingness to let them see you at your best, but see you at your worst. And if I can stand in front of them and say, hey, I'm going to teach this lesson today, whatever it is, accountability, leadership, um, you know, uh, really having solid perspective on things, thinking globally, not just locally, um, you know, worrying about the guy beside you, servant leadership, whatever those, 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 uh, those lesson plans are. I can literally stand in front and tell them where I struggle with these. And so what you're showing are you have chinks in your armor 
And we don't do that as coaches. Like we, we want to be Teflon Don in front of at all times. And man, you know, I'm impenetrable dude. I'm as like flawed as any person in that room. And I think that's what they, again, our group, it works for us. Our guys realize that they are flawed too. And I accept you for who you are. You're flawed. I'm flawed, man. Let's just get better today. And that's like that, that humanization of it all. Like, you know, a guy asked me, why, why would you interview a coach before you go play him? Like on the field with a, why would you do that? Man, what are you talking? It's competition. Well, yeah, buddy. When I was in competition, my first head coaching job, I was trying to murder that guy. I wanted to embarrass him in his program. What, what, what healthy place is that coming from? I want to win. Well, so does he. But let's humanize the moment and realize he's just a dude like me. He's going through the same things I do. He has budget concerns just like I do. He's still got to recruit just like I do. He has to balance work and life just like I do. So it's the same guy. It, and, and now I'm coaching the game. I don't care about him and embarrassing his – like, I don't, it doesn't matter who we're playing. I get to watch the best team in college baseball play. I'm going to watch them play. I'm going to worry about us. I'm not going to worry about what's happening in the other dugout. I'm going to keep my head in my own dugout. That works for me. That, that makes sense for us and our program. And like you mentioned, process. We just don't care who gets off that bus. It doesn't matter. It's about who we are when we show up. And so you start, again, kind of going through those things, and, and you start to just come to what works. Come to what works for you. What, what keeps things grounded for you? What at the, at the end of the day, can you, can you be willing to put yourself in front of them Trey, and I don't care what you put on social media, but you know what? I control that narrative. Yeah, I really do. Like you, you can't twist and turn the way that that we led our team this year. You can't as a player, because it was up front. It was straightforward. Trust and love were apparent. Uh, we we bled for you. We fought for you. You know, there's no like when we had these tough conversations a couple like a week ago. Every conversation literally came back to. Coach, I know it's not the you know the answer I want to hear, but man, I, I, I trust you. I know you're going to do what's right for me. And we ended every phone call with, I love you. That's awesome. That tells me everything, man. It tells me we're on the right path and we just want to build upon it, you know? Absolutely. Sorry, I get uh, going on that one. I got fired. No, I know because I, I mean, I've, like I've said, I've, I've followed you for a number of years now. Just the vulnerability, it always comes out from you. And I know that's something you truly believe in. And that's funny. I, I've, I've actually been in um, – past administrators coming to come in to observe me, you know, as a teacher um, and just the vulnerability that I would possess with a teacher, I guess, with students that I guess that what I thought was normal and doesn't seem to be much normal. It's really not. I think like you're saying, it's like, we need to be the Teflon, Teflon Don. What a great, <laughs> what a great saying. Um, you know, but that's very true. You know, and just to, um, I think people respect that. And I, and I think, I think it's such a, you know, we're teaching kids how to deal with failure and, uh, play at their best. And I think one of the biggest things that people struggle with is trying to be perfect. Yes. And especially in our game of failure that you have to be good with it. And I think what you're doing even without even saying it is teaching them how to handle that, you know, through your trust and through your love, through being imperfect. You know, like yep. what you were saying is that I'm not perfect. I'm vulnerable is also allowing them to say like, I don't have to go out here and try to throw every pitch for a strike. I don't have to go out here and try to mash every ball over the fence and not, you know, uh, you know, give up a hit or two, you know, like those kind of things. So I think what you're doing there is even saying that without saying it. Yep. And then, so they talk about the environment. We have a failure free environment. 
And man, that's tough. I mean, cause that's where yeah. we're judged as coaches on wins and losses. So, but I think it, it depends on where you land on, on this spectrum is wins and losses, strike ball, safe out or results. And if you want to live in that world, you certainly can, but man, it's a roller coaster. Like it is an up and down <laughs> strike ball, safe out, win loss. It's up and down. And, you, you know, and, and Coach Corbin, who's, who's been a, certainly a friend of mine for a long time, and, and, and one thing he always – I uh, talked to him a couple weeks ago. He hit me with this. Hey, man, you've got to live in a centered place. He's like, because you're so passionate and you're, you, you like to go. He goes, man, if you want to ride that roller coaster, be my guest. But you can't make decisions after a win. It's like, you know, if you go somewhere with your team, you win that tournament, you win that national championship. Well you're not even thinking about cutting the, the guy next to you on the bus. You're, that's, that wasn't even the thought. It was before the game, but it's definitely not now because you won. And when you lose, you just want to cut everybody and start over. Like, you can't make decisions in these two places. You also can't live in these two places. They're too polarizing. You always have to come back to center. Center is a place of clarity. It's a place of calm. It's a place of confidence. Um, it's a place of clear-minded perspective. And you got to get your life back to center. And, um, you know, with that, Trey, I just, I think there's, there's some, some real, uh, you know, like we talked about the transparency piece, like I think your, your willingness to let others see that, that you're working through things just like they are. Like I always say this, I spill coffee on my shirt every day. Well, most of you do as well. Like that, that just, it's what we do. Um, you know, especially in this, in this, uh, you know, this podcast space. And I, like I told you, I had this interview a couple of days ago and the guy said, he said, man, I just like, you know, I appreciate you doing it. It's like, Hey man, we're on the same team. I just got a head start on you. Like, you know, I'm, I'm the senior and you guys are the, are the, the freshmen and sophomores. Like we're on the same team. We're literally in the same locker room. We're all baseball podcasters. We're on the same team. Um, and, and that's the piece. Like I wouldn't have had that if I am riding high that, you know, yeah, I've been doing this a while. Yeah. Like, that's not, that's not where I live. I live in centered, man. Centered keeps you humble. Center keeps you right. Uh, but center keeps you where you can realize that, man, you're, you're, you're not a finished product. That's what our players start to figure out is that at 39, if I'm telling you that I'm trying to get better today, then how come at 18, you don't have that same train of thought? Cause you should be, I mean, you should really be working at trying to get better. I'm the same way, man. I'm, I'm not good at this. I want to be better at this. Hey, I, I think I screwed up on that yesterday, guys. We're going to work to be better at that today. Or I've walked into our team meeting and said, guys, I'm really struggling today, man. I had three or four meetings this morning, and, you know, a couple of them hit me pretty hard. And, um, you know, I just want to let you know, man, I, I pick me up today, you know, if you can, man. Um, so, I, anyway, I just I think those are things just to consider. It's, it's not um, – I definitely don't have the, the answers on it. I just think you're, you're working through it each day. You're, you're just you're, – you're on our own path, and we're trying to grow each day. And – if that personal growth is at the forefront, I think you're on the right path. But I also think your players need to realize that they're on a personal growth journey too. And that's our job to kind of educate them on that. Sure. Well, how do you, how, let's dive into that. Like, so how, how are you helping them through those things? Is there specific things that you're working with? Do you meet with them individually? You know, like I guess a developmental plan. Um, you know, how are you, how are you helping them go through that journey? So, um, Great question. We go back to the classroom each day. Like that's, that's our, our staple of our program. We meet in the classroom. 
Um, and that's a place we teach. So I don't, you know, they don't call me coach. They just call, you know, just call me sheets. I'm, I'm just, I'm a teacher that, you know, is in charge of the program. So here's what we do. Um, I, the, the, what I looked at the classroom, and again, this comes from a lot of the, the successful programs I spent some time with TCU and Michigan, Vanderbilt, and, and, and a lot of these schools that are, that are doing this. And, and heck, there's a, a Hartfield Academy and, Cookville High School in Tennessee, like the, a lot of really successful high school, small school, big school programs are using the classroom. And I knew I wanted to make that a staple. I just didn't realize how impactful it could be. Um, so some of the ways that we're doing it on a few fronts. Number one is, I think as a coach, I think let's be, let's be mindful. This is what we talk about as a coaching staff. If we can help each player, because we're doing the same thing as coaches, if we can help each player rewrite their own story, I mean, how awesome of an opportunity is that? And what I mean by that is when they get to us at 18, 19, 20, 21, whatever it is, 22, there's a story that's happening in between their ears. There's a narrative that's playing out each and every day. And everything that happens generally falls into that narrative. And what I mean is like you have a kid that, and um, it depends on the household he comes from. So let's say mom or dad subscribes to the fact that they've got screwed out of things throughout their life. Well, when you get that kid at 12 years old, guess what he thinks? He's just waiting for something to happen. And the minute it happens, the umpire makes a bad call. He looks Blame. at the umpire like, can't believe you. I mean, yeah, of course you did. Of course you screwed me. And then they come to us on recruiting and they want to say, you know, I had a high school coach, you know, I just, man, I don't know. He you know, kind of screwed me over a couple of times. And well, what has two thumbs and is getting ready to be the next guy in line to screw you? It's this guy. And like that, that so I go, uh, you know, in recruiting, I kind of like, I shy away from those guys. You know, I really do. Cause that, that, that's a hard one to rewire. I've been through that. You get the right guy and you can work on it, but man, that's like, that's baked in from a young age. What you start to see is that we had a kid um, that was a transfer player and he got cut from his high school team as a junior. He made it again as a senior. He got to Juco. He got cut as a freshman and he made it as a sophomore. And then we brought him over to GGC and um, I, you start to hear him talk and he's going through that story and he's kind of throwing some like pokers at the coach. Like, you know, I just, you know, I just felt like, and I felt like, I, you know, I just kind of got, not screw, but you know, I just, you know, I got cut. And so he's up from the team and I said, okay, so look, here's an exercise for you. For all of us, when you listen to the story that you tell, do you notice that you point responsibility always away from yourself? Well, I mean, I got, <laughs> I got a DUI because, you know, my, my, my buddy, uh, you know, he made me drive. I mean, I, I was drinking too, but I mean, he asked me to drive. I mean, it was it kind of his fault. I mean, he should have been driving and you got behind the wheel, you drove, you got the DUI. Mm -hmm. But it's the same way in those, those coaching conversations is, man, when you go through those things, we all had responsibility there. So like, you know, for him in that particular uh, situation is, hey man, were you good enough? Well, you know, probably not. I probably wasn't, you know. Yeah, so he just made a coaching decision. He didn't screw you. He didn't, he didn't do it on purpose. He didn't say, man, I'm really going to stick it to this kid in particular. You just weren't good enough. So you had responsibility. You needed to get better at baseball. And guess what? When you got better at baseball, you made the team the next year. So it's all those, like, I call it rewiring. We're just trying to help them rewire 
that story. And if they start to, we don't try to live in the past, but we do try to go back and help them correct the past because I'm doing it at 39. You know, I'm, I'm, and I don't know where you're at in your life, Trey, but man, I'm going back and I'm trying to deal with a lot of things that we don't like to go deal with. And it's not just the topical piece. I'm talking about like going layers deeper, dealing with mom, dealing with dad, dealing with the household I grew up in, being from a divorced family, um, you know, having an older brother that was really successful. There's a lot of things that, that, that were part of that story that have guided the way that I think, the way I act, the way I talk, the way that I've, I go to work each day. Like, so it's, it's helping me go back and rewrite that story and go, okay, that makes sense. I get why I get why I'm judgmental on certain things. I get why I'm wired that way, but now I want to fix that. I don't want to be judgmental. I want to fix that. I want to pull that back a little bit, pull the, it's like, uh, my wife comes in if I'm sleeping in and she'll rip back the covers on me. That's what you're trying to do to some of that stuff and go, come on, man, let's dive in there and let's fix it. It's the same way with these guys. So imagine at 18, a kid comes in with a narrative and we, through the course of the classroom or through the course, like you said, of one-on-one conversations, or I can come up and put his, my arm around him at practice and do, we ain't even talking about baseball. We're talking about him. We're talking about life. We're talking about, again, what's the situation at home. If we can do those things, we have the chance to work him through our program through three, four, two, whatever many years. And dude, he gets to walk out of here at 22, 23 and really know who he is. And we've helped rewrite that story. That to me is everything. That That's the essence of coaching. That That's, I could give a, a darn about double plays at that point. Like, dude, if, if we're, if we're helping this guy be a better husband and a better father and a better person and a better friend, dude, that's kind of what we should be working for. And, and again, I know I want to coach, coach and win as many games as anybody on this call. Like, dude, I'm with you, but, but, but if we're not helping to become men, dude, are you really building a program? Like that's what I come back to. I don't know. That's where I land. Percent, and I and I could I could tell you this is a better man, better ball player podcast. You know, what I, I mean, it. I, I, I can tell you, I can tell you that's that's been my mission when we kind of went this route of having a mission. Like, and this is just the mission because the mission yeah. is there's no there's no finish line in the mission. Yeah, and yeah, as you're, have you seen that with the better players and people rewiring themselves? Are you winning more games? Hundred percent. You know, it, 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 what it comes back to is this, man. I, in our, and again, different situations, different programs. So probably not the fair comparison, but I will say my first three years as head coach, uh, year one, a lot of passion, a lot of energy, um, playing the game differently. And, and they were hungry for, for that. And, and it was our first year of uh, division three postseason eligibility. So man, we were, we were really going out to prove a statement about our program and we set the score record for wins first year. 33. At Spalding, you're talking about. At Spalding. Yeah. yeah. So we went 33. The second year we won 28, and the third year we won 26. And I wear that 100% because, man, we won 33. Dude, I came out with an even greater fire, but it was really about, dude, we got to I mean, we got to get in the poll. We got to get to the national tournament. We got to get to the World Series. If we do that, dude, in year two, dude, I'll get whatever job I want. Oh, man, they'll be crawling out of the woodworks to come hire me because in two years, I took the team to the World Series. So, it was all selfishly motivated. And, dude, our players knew it. Like, I, I felt like they look back and I'm like, they, they, they knew. They, they absolutely, it was about me, 100%. And so, I need you to get a hit here so we win so I get a better job. And it, it, so, you go back through all those things. Like, I think when 
you come into this situation, what's really flipped is as simple as I can break this down, Trey, like the previous head coaching spot, it was about winning so that I could get what I needed to get. So I could be on my path to being the best coach that's ever coached the game. I get a seat at the table with the greats. That was in my heart. My ego was at the forefront. Then you come to now and dude, if you take the, uh, I've used this example. If you take the traditional like organizational pyramid where the head coach is at the top, dude, I have flipped that pyramid on its head. Our players are at the top and I'm in the very back helping push them forward. It, it'll never be about me. It's 1000% not about me. I, I, if I retire tomorrow, somebody gets my job. Like it's, there's no statue being built. <laughs> well, it's the same way for them. But at the same time, they're the rock stars. They're the ones that get to go out and literally slide hard, play hard, throw strikes, strike people out, hit doubles. It's about them. And so I think the reason we won at the level we did, and again, I think the reason we're as tight as we are is because of that that true mission. Like you mentioned, like, dude, we're trying to build better men. Our philosophy at our program at Georgia Gwinnett is people, the person, student, then the player. And that's the order we coach. That's the order we approach any situation in. The person, the student, and then the player. And if you feel like as 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 a player that, man, I'm coming to you to give you this, not because I need you to like hit more doubles, because I think this is going to change the way you see things. This is going to help you again later in life. It's funny, man. We'll talk after games. And one of my players came up to me a few weeks before the, the quarantine hit. And he said, Coach, man, you start talking after a game, and I don't even remember what the score was. And so that's where you come back to. Like, it ain't about it, it just for me, it's not about baseball. It is all about life. If we are preparing them for life, then we're on the right path because they only get to play baseball for a short window. We're still coaching them. I don't want, don't want you to hear that. We're still coaching them. We're still talking about offensive approach. We're still dialing in on a two-strike approach. We're still making better better infielders. We're still helping them throw more strikes. Like those things don't change. But the 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 big picture is that man, we're trying to help you mature. We're trying to help you grow up. We're trying to help you see the world for what it is. We're trying to help you. I've said this a few times. This is from straight from Coach Garrido. At the end of the day, our job as coaches is to help them find the courage to go attack life and act on their own thoughts and ideas. That's ultimately what coaching is. Build enough confidence and courage in them. They've been tested. They've been through it. There's adversity they've overcome, but they finally landed enough courage to go act on their own thoughts and ideas. Isn't that what life's about? Isn't that what chasing your dreams about? Isn't that what starting a podcast is about? This is my own thought and idea, and man, I have enough courage to put myself out there. And look, you're going to take darts doing it, but I have enough courage to get out in front of it and, and, and own this idea because it's mine, and I have enough, again, confidence to get it done. That's what you want for your players. That's what I want for our guys. That's why I think we've won so many games. Yeah, and I think that even goes back to, again, being the example because, as we've said prior to even building your system, it's about finding that confidence and courage as you go through it to be able to – simplify your system and finding in your different buckets to then saying, here's what it really comes down to. Cause I know for me, it was, it was so much balance that I had all of these different things, but as you're getting better, I'm just trying to narrow and simplify those buckets and have the courage to say, yep, this is, I know this is great. I know that works for them, yeah. but this is just what I can manage. And this is what I think is going to work here. So, I mean, you know, to, um, I was thinking about getting into, so you, you mentioned, recruiting and you mentioned recruits sure. um 
and especially, you know, the rewiring, like you said, you've, you've, you've kind of stayed away from a couple guys when you're going through those conversations with, with, with kids, um, about, you know, blaming the coach or, you know, just, just little things like that. Um, is there anything that sticks out to you? But I mean, besides those, maybe what are the things that you look for maybe specifically in a recruit, let their turn on, like you just said, turn off. So the rewiring, you know, saying, well, you're blaming this. And cause we all know BCD, I mean, everything that's a culture killer, you blame, you know, complain or defend, yeah. um, is a pretty big culture killer. And you're, you're very big in your culture. So what are the things that turn you on, uh, with recruits? What gets you fired up? You know? Awesome. Uh, uh so yeah. So, in our situation, you know, here being a, um, you know, kind of an upper level NEI program is, you know, to stay consistent, you can't, you, you got to live in this transfer world. You got to, you got to have some junior college players. You got to have some D2 and, and division one transfer players. And you got to stay in that space. It's not the traditional program builder model where you got to have a lot of four-year guys. Uh, we feel like the way in which we run our shop and the way that, you know, the environment that we've created you know, you, you, you generally want four-year guys because they leave and they're true Georgia Gwinnett guys. Well, I think our culture, man, a two-year guy, he'll leave and feel like a four-year guy. I really believe that. The way that we run it, man, is again, is the spirit in which we move this program and we talk with our kids and we, we coach them and teach them and love on them, they leave here a four-year guy. You know, I've got seniors right now that, that are just, you know, tore up that they don't get to come back. You know, they, they're going to move on. They graduate. They're going to move on with life, and they're, they're tore up. I've got guys right now that are literally just like – and I mean this in, in the right spirit. They're beyond fired up. They get another year back in this program. And that just tells you, the man, that we're on to something here. And so you're trying to – if that's the approach and that's what it you know kind of takes to stay consistent at the top, then we've shifted a lot of our focus to, again, a lot of junior college players and a lot of transfer players. And that's just not open door. Hey, we'll take anybody. Dude, I'm vetting them on the phone. And I'll get to the, like the, 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 the details inside that. But I'm vetting them thoroughly. I'm talking with their junior college coach. I'm talking with their Division One coach. Who is he? What are we getting into here? Uh, who is this guy? We, we, we honestly haven't taken – everybody's got baggage. Like every – all of us. I do. I have baggage. You, you start – Again, I told Chelsea this. You start dating me, there's baggage. Like, we all do. But at the same time, we're not always willing to take on the serious stuff. I don't think we have to in our program. We can be very hyper-selective about who we who we work with. And again, you start to go after who you want, but you always get who you are. And I know who we are. And so instead of that model of who we want, I really go after who I think fits the best in this program. They have to fit into our personality and our environment. And so that's, to me, it's a really easy series of questions. You talk about, Hey, what's important to you? And well, coach, you know, just, you know, sweet gear. And, you know, I just, you know, oh, okay, well, cool, man. Well, good luck. And I hope everything works out. Best of luck, buddy. Yeah. Best of luck. I mean, I hope it works out for you and you get somebody with, we got, we got sweet gear, but like, that's not, that's not why our guys are here. Um, I think it's, you know, answering the question about winning, answering the question about, um, you know, being on a great team. Um, I had a guy that we're working through right now that talked about, man, personal development. I really want to be around a coach that's going to develop me as a person and a player. And I'm like, you walked right into my spider web on that one, buddy. So here's welcome. what we do. Welcome, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> we'd love to have you. Um, so those things, like you just, you start to, and look, a lot of this is happening right here on the phone. Like a lot of this is, 
or conversations until um, until it's time to kind of get them on campus. But it's it's getting to know them like that personal relationships like dating. Like you got to build that personal relationship. You got to ask questions. They have to ask you questions. And it's a good back and forth until it just gets down to decision time. Um, from a baseball standpoint, I mean, obviously we want the best player available just like everybody else. But um, I think we're, we're educating folks on is that not every kid can play here. And that's, that's you know, unfortunate, but there's a thousand other places they can go play. But not every kid can play here. You know, there's a certain level of talent we have to be at. There's a certain level of, you know, at times, uh, you know, measurables that we need to be at to perform on the level we need to perform on. Um, and so you got to find guys that fit that. So all those things are, you know, kind of understood. But it's definitely, it's the character piece. It's the, um, you know, how they're engineered, what's important to them. Um, and, you know, they got to be coachable. They, they really have to want someone to, you know, I, you know, and you get this as players. You get a kid that's really good, man. He's a really good player, but he just feels like, hey, just stay out of my way and I'll, and I'll be fine. Well, no. You know, that, that, that's, that's, that's – we coach our best player the hardest. Absolutely. And our shortstop is – he played professional. So, NAI has a really cool role where guys can go play professional baseball and if they play for one year, they have three years left to play NAI. If they play for two, they have two years left. Wow. That's super so our two, our two shortstops, that's awesome. So yeah. our two shortstops are professional baseball players that got released, and now they're here, and we have three years with both of them. And you, you, you're, it's a cool rule because it allows them to, you know, make an, a decision at 18, and then it falls through. But you know what? Let's come back and get your college degree. It really helps. But these are two guys that just, I mean, I would i would jump in front of a bus for. And our the shortstop we had this year, the play, man, he is the, it's the best defender I've ever coached. He just, he did things with his glove that you can't teach. But I was still out there on him. And I was still talking to him. And I was still trying to challenge him. And I was trying to find ways to make him better. We had the national pitcher of the year this year. He had a 0.00 ERA. Like he didn't give up a run. And he's national pitcher of the year. And I'm still in the middle of a start pulling him over to me. And I'm going, hey, man, I'm with you. You're going you're gonna to strike. He, by the way, the same night he set the score record for strikeouts with 18 in a complete game. And about the fifth inning, he's rolling. And it's like video game, dude. It's, it's lefty, 93, and change up and competitive. And he's stupid good. And it's a video game for him. He's literally pushing X. You know, up. I don't play video games, so I really don't know what that means. But like, <laughs> you know, whatever. Right finger X uh, two, and yeah. he's literally throwing a power breaking ball for strike three, and he's walking off like, man, this is a joke. And I come over and I go, hey, man, it ain't about how bad they are. It, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with are you trying to figure out how good you can be? Nope. So how Making good? Hundred percent. And so he goes out, and from the sixth, seventh, eighth, totally different demeanor. And he walks up to me, gives me a fist bump. He's like, dude, I needed that because I was starting to get like comfortable he goes but i can't be comfortable because in the world series i won't be comfortable on the mound no sir there's fans there's teams they want it you know they're good and i need to and again if you're trying to find the best version of yourself you you're always on that search and it's the same way i talk to a shortstop same conversation dude you're hitting 370 like you're gonna roll out of bed hit a double every day but once you start thinking about these things you can get better at two-strike approach you can get better at your base running you can get better leads i really want you to work hard at stealing third He's just, I mean, that's what he, they want. They crave that. The right kids crave coaching. Absolutely. Same way for us. I, I want I want feedback. Dude, if I'm not doing it right, tell me. If I can be better, tell me. And they come up and they're like, hey, coach, you might think about this. Yeah, awesome. 
Same journey. We're on the we're on the exact same team, on the exact same sure. journey as you are. The better guys are the things that are obsessed with getting improve, improving. No doubt. You know, on my end, you know, I know even just from personal experiences, I, I I keep figuring, you know, is the the fear of missing out. You know, like right now, there's all these Zoom calls, and you got everything uh-huh. going on. You're like, man, I gotta do it all. You know, like I'm gonna miss out on something. Sure. You know, but I think because people are so obsessed with, I think, well, I guess. That's another question I was going to talk to you about. It's just like the, the same character traits you've seen in coaches. But what I've seen too is a matter of the constant pursuit of just trying to improve, you know, which is yep. basically what you're trying to tell, like you're encouraging your other guys to continue to improve because one, if they have dreams of playing professional baseball, they got to get better. Yeah. Um, um, and, uh, and, and so I guess, it, but the, the balance is like, man, how much do I need to just refine what I do, which is still improving. Yeah. not necessarily learning something new. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's a, there is, there's a delicate balance with that. I think, um, man, the best of the best have, I love this word. They have curiosity. The best of the best are not always in a state of wonder, but they're definitely always kind of define it like this. They don't let their thoughts just settle in concrete it's always movable. It's all, it's always got some flow to it. It's, it's always got like, you know, I really believe this, but you know, I want to see what, look again, high profile coach. I won't name him, Dude. He calls coaches from all disciplines, from all walks of life. Um, coaches he's never met before. And he calls them just to hear how they, how do you, how do you teach infield play? Talk to me about it. What do you do? What do you talk about? And not that he's going to listen to everything, take up three pages of notes and say, hey, scrap it, scrap it all. But if there's one nugget in there that that is a word, a phrase, a drill, an idea that like helps him further shape what he thinks. And I think what that comes back to is this, man. That curiosity to me is the same mindset that when you attend a coaching clinic or you listen to a podcast or you have a coach on the phone, it's so easy, man, I do, I'm guilty of this. It's so easy to listen for things that resonate with what you already believe. And so you're already going into, hey, let's talk hitting real quick. Trey, you want to talk hitting? Let's talk hitting real quick, man. I know you had on a cat from Maryland who's, who's really good. And like, hey, let's talk hitting, man. Let's talk hitting real quick. And I'm going into it as a hitting guy going, let's see what you know. Do you know what I know? Oh, you do that too? Oh, okay, this guy, hey, man, this guy's on it a little bit. Okay. We do that with hitting. We don't do that with, infield play and outfield play and catching we're always like hey so what do you guys do like how do you do it tell me tell me about this well that that to me is a is closed-mindedness was what it is and when you boil it down it's closed-mindedness and so it's looking at things and going i don't know anything trey let's talk hitting and just teach me what you guys are doing and i don't hear it i hear it for what it is i don't hear it for what i want it to be that's a big distinguishing factor is man i'm listening with like okay okay yeah i get what you're saying there okay that makes sense like yeah we could could do something like that that kind of you know and you come out of it and you you listened to get better you didn't wait for your turn to respond like that's what we do when we have these conversations sometimes we're just waiting to go okay 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 so yeah great point so here's what i want to and i've done that as a host like and, and we do it as conversationalists we do it as uh, when we're talking like at ABC, I'm watching these couple guys go back and forth and I can watch the other guy 
who this coach is trying to deliver information to him. And dude, he's just going, no, I'm with you on all that. What I'm saying is, and you're like, you didn't hear anything I just said. It didn't matter to you. And that's, that's um, the best of the best have really fought back that urge. And they genuinely, curiously, actively listen. And man, that is such a admirable, endearing trait on people. You know, like that, that, that to me is a, is a separator. Um, yeah, I'll go with that. That, that to me is, is, is how, as, as much as I can boil it down, that's the, the key, the key trait that, that binds all those folks. Sure. Um, would you, would you be able to look into it? What's the difference between the player thing? So you've seen, you know, but by seeing all the programs and doing your roadshow, you've seen a ton of players all throughout the country. You're now dealing with a lot of guys, like you just said, you play professionally. Now they're coming back playing for you. You're yeah. recruiting a ton of great talent. What do you notice in between those elite players too? I think, yeah, a lot of the same, with all the same traits, really? yeah, you know, I think the, the, um, you know, I love this man. Success leaves clues. It's the second time I've said it. Like, I think that's true. I mean, I think when you're around successful people are engineered a little bit, the fabric of what success is doesn't really change. Like the, the DNA of a championship team, look at this. The DNA of a championship team is genuinely the same. Does it look different? For sure. But in every championship team, baseball, you let's just say this you you had a good catcher there's no championship team that had a really bad catcher so you had a good to elite level catcher you had good arms you had again guys that could get people out doesn't matter about the velocity they could get people out you had good defense there's there's hardly ever been a team i would say never that won a national championship and fielded 930 you know you had hitters that came through in certain moments and they didn't have to hit 330 as a team, but man, they, they situationally executed. And so you start to, I mean, that's the baseball piece. The other piece, you probably didn't have a national championship team that hated each other. Like if you, if, if, if that cohesiveness isn't there, then they didn't work together. It didn't, it didn't mesh right. You can have a collection of talent you can have factions and you can have clicks. Yeah, for sure. But genuinely, they like to be around each other, and they played well together. It, it isn't a team that has a high level of dysfunction, and so like those things. So when you go into that, so now you're now you're on. That's the team aspect. Now you go on the individual aspect. You start to have individuals that are intrinsically motivated. They they don't need a mot. By the way, coach, I don't need your motivational speech ten minutes before the game to go get fired up to play the game that I love, dude. I, I literally. Do not – I address our team for less than three minutes. I'm so excited to watch you play today, guys. Let's get after it today. Hey, remember, this is a great day for us to go work bases. And, hey, let's just let's be who we are, man. Let's go after it. I, I'm not – I don't have this doozy of a story I pulled from the internet five minutes ago. Hey, let me let me read this really funny story that will really bring it to clarity. Now, let's go with – like that – no. I want players that literally when they wake up, it's like, hey, boys, it's game day. I can feel the butterflies and my job is to get those butterflies flying in the same direction. Absolutely. Like, so like that every individual on those championship teams has been intrinsically motivated. Mm-hmm. Every member on those the individuals on those, those championship teams has a desire to 
in essence, quote unquote, figure out what the best version of, of, of themselves are. So whether that's like, I want to be great today so I can, you know, work at trying to play professional baseball or, Hey, I want to, you know, I'm hitting six and I really want to, you know, show myself so I can move up the lineup to maybe five or four or even three. They have that, that drive that they're not a finished product. That, that to me is part of a championship that they, they just, they want more for themselves. And then the last piece, man, I think, and it's the same way for coaches as for players, sacrifice is required. You can want and wish and hope and pray and, and for a championship, but dude, sacrifice is required. So those guys that have gotten on championship teams, if you ask them, Hey, I know we had practice for three hours on Tuesday. What did you do Tuesday night? Well, you know, I came over and I hit for about two hours by myself, took some swings off the tee and turned the machine on and, you know, took some cuts and, you know, there's, there's sacrifice that they were willing to say, man, I'm not going to go play video games. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go out with the guys tonight. I'm going to go get some swings in, or I'm going to, Hey, I appreciate it, man. And I'm going to go back and, 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 uh, you know, before I go to sleep, I'm going to meditate tonight and, and try to get my thoughts right and do some visualization and get my thoughts right. And, you know, ready to get to go tomorrow. Like those things show up on those teams. I, I, I would be willing to bet if you interviewed all those guys, those things start to come up. They sacrificed. Um, they, they truly, you know, were intrinsically motivated. Those, those elements start to rear their head, man. That's what I think. Absolutely. And it's, it's so, so funny, you know, that's not funny. It, it's just, um, I just wish it was more prevalent to people to say how much these things are important to yeah. develop because the, the, the same time that I ask guys questions and, you know, I'm just, yeah, I'm just nine episodes in, but these are the same questions that I've always typically asked a coach. Mine and my job is to always try to develop players for the next level. It's, a, it's sure. the same kind of soft skills that people, they're not, and they're not soft skills. They're very, there's skills that really need developed just as much as your swing is developed or your, your fastball. And it's just, I just um, truly wish that people, I, 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 you know, I guess it's just too hard to work that people maybe they don't know how or what um, and to, to develop that, you know, and uh, you just, these kind of skills, you know, the sacrifice, the, you know, being intrinsically motivated, you know, the working together, trying to be a better person of yourself. I mean, all those things I think are surrounded from, you know, like I said, the rewiring, of your brain. I think that was a very, yeah. very neat thing to say. I think that's, um, you're such a great communicator sheets. I'll tell you what, it's just, you know, I, I, is this something that like, and you, you, I remember you talked earlier about like how you're trying to even help your own players communicate better. And I've heard you through other podcasts say like, you know, that's a big goal of yours even this year is to communicate even better. And I would say like, you probably communicate better than most of us. Um, and, and you know, I hear you saying my name a lot and you're, you're very, you're very great at, I think, um, delivering like the rewiring, the way that you say things and helps people recognize it. Or is this something that's always come natural to you or like, have you developed this over time? Um, just your communication, just, it's always seems very important to you, but like, so, but you do it so well, like how, how do you stay at the top and how are you, I guess, developed your communication skills. Oh man, dude. Well, first of all, I'm blushing. I, I, I appreciate the, the compliment, man. I, and I'm, I'm my own worst critic. So I just, you know, I don't, I don't allow myself to live in that. That's like the high, right? So that was the high. Yeah. I got to come back to center. Center is, is humble is, you know, I, I hear it, but man, I'm, I'm still working on it. I know, I know I can be better at it. Right. Like I know in my heart of hearts, I can be better. Um, you know, my dad was a professional speaker. <laughs> so, hey, I so didn't know comes, that. I didn't know that. Yeah. All the things I've heard, I've never heard that. 
Yeah, he's he was a motivational speaker, uh, humorous uh, speaker, and he would do a lot of keynote speeches. So I traveled the really the world with a man and and the, the states really, but it sounds cool to say the world. Um, and uh, I was at a lot of different speeches as a kid, and so I, I watched him on stage, and him and I spent a lot of time talking through, you know, how he navigates a talk and how he controls a crowd and the flow of good conversation. And, you know, th those are lessons, man. And, you know, I, I, he passed away a couple of years ago and they're all things that I just, I go, you know, I'm so grateful for that. He, 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 he's helped me become not only the man that I am and hopefully I'm half the man he was, but I mean, he's helped me become the communicator that I am because he was giving me those lessons and I didn't realize it at the time. He's given me all the lessons that I was going to need to be a great coach. And, uh, and not that I am a great coach, but I'm working on it. I'm trying to be good today. And, um, but uh, watching him, so like, this is like the conversation. We get off stage and I knew the whole speech. I could do his speech. That was the, the really fun part. And um, we get off stage and we get in the truck and we're heading home. And, and he'd say, what'd you notice today? And I said, it was really interesting how you... You know, you because my dad was a jokester. My dad always told jokes, and that was part of his humorous stuff to deliver messages. And he'd get to a joke, and he'd get it, and they'd get laughing, and everybody's smiling, and then he'd come right back with a serious point. And I was like, man, it was kind of crazy. Dad. I could feel the room like shift. There was like this buzz, and then it was locked in. He goes, dude, that's when you know you're in control. Is when I am I am leading this navigation here. So I'm leading you guys through this and I'm going to make you laugh and then I'm going to get you back in. He goes, but that's when you know you've got the room. He's like, so I notice in certain speaking engagements, you know, there's people that are there. They don't want to be there. They're there because they have to be there. And he goes, I'll purposely put in a joke to just see how the room reacts. If they don't laugh, I don't have them. Or, or if it's only half the room, then as a speaker, you're like, I need to figure out a way to get the whole room. And this is what, I mean, I'm telling you, so I, when I say this, this is inherent, but it's also been grilled into me since I was about seven years old, that as I'm like doing this interview or as I'm speaking to a group or whatever, dude, I am having an internal monologue in my own head of how I'm going to win the room. I'm going to shift to this. Well, this story would really work. Hey man, I feel like you got the room. So hammer home on this. Um, hey, they're, they're kind of lost, man. I don't know if they're with you right now. So, hey, go to this stockpile of jokes or stories you just start to learn how to navigate the conversation um and uh i don't know man i, I uh it starts there I, I mean obviously again it's a skill i'm trying to continue to work on i think where i want to be better is be more efficient with my words so i'm really working hard at this uh, and i've said it like eight times this boil down mentality of really saying you know i could i could say it in 15 words but can i say it in 10 and trying to work through that uh, for not only myself, but for our players. So is that something that you're thinking through before you say it, or is that something yeah, you try to prepare for, like before you have a meeting? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of both, but I'm more organic. I'm more in the moment. Yeah. I, um, I think part of being a good communicator, uh, Trey, is you have to, you know, you got to have feel, you got to have yeah. a pulse, you got to, you know, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to gauge, you know, like right now I'm trying to gauge where you're at. Like how much, how much of what I'm saying is sinking in with you? How much am I making you think? And then obviously I'm, I'm hearing the way that you're digesting the, the answer into the next question. And that's telling me from the receiver end of this, like, how is this conversation going? 
that's what you're trying to do as as a as a communicator as a coach so i'm you're you're, you're in constant evaluation mode that's what i've tried to tell our guys like don't think that i miss a beat like just you just can't because i've 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 drilled myself to i'm in constant evaluation mode i'm watching the room shifts in body language eye contact um you know subtle moves man tell you a lot so like in a, in recruiting i don't do this as much anymore but in recruiting when i would bring a kid on campus i'd sit him in the chair in the office and i would start talking through man this is how we train man we get after it like if you're not committed to baseball hey if it's just a hobby for you you know i'm i'm like i'm hammering this kid and i'm watching the kids that would sit up in their chair and they'd get closer those are my dudes i had mm-hmm. one kid that he couldn't crawl out of the back of his chair fast enough <laughs> and I just and he was with a buddy and the buddy was up and he was back and I just you know got done I said hey man I'd really like for you to come be you know an eagle for us and and uh, what about my buddy uh, I don't know if he's the right fit for us so like that that stuff comes from that speaking background of, of being able to communicate but also judge the room watch the room and try to have feel for it um that's one you know being being more concise uh being crystal clear I think is is something we should all shoot for trying to eliminate kind of gray talk. Um, people, gray talk leads people to assume and it's up to their interpretation. And if you want to control the narrative, you need to be as crystal clear as you can be. And so I work extremely hard to do that, especially with our team is I don't just put something out and it's kind of this vague statement and it's left up to their determination. I make sure it's crystal clear. These are our expectations. Hey, this is how we act. This is how we'll move forward. These are our goals as a team. You know, those those type of, of things, because I think the deliberate choice that you make with your language can either take them where you're trying to go or take them further away. And um, so, we, you know, kind of trying to be extremely uh, cognizant of that. Um, is that does that kind of hit home? Is that- yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just, there's a ton of things. It, it just got me thinking, I mean, uh, Nick Winkleman's book, The Language of Coaching, just started to, you know, get a lot of okay. uh, of press and things like that because he dives into just how we communicate you know with yeah. you have you have you have you looked into that have you heard any of those oh, things it sounds awesome the language yeah. of coaching language of coaching nick winkleman he was just on uh head of the curve uh they had him on i listened to that um and i just got the book it's a it's a it looks like it's a manual um but he's okay. works with a national i think irish rugby team um he's really in the in the field of of uh, weight training but, you know, he just talks about basic because he, you know, they give external cues all the time. And, sure. you know, he really gets into how, though, he's communicating those different cues and what to, what to, went to, like, and it's, he dives into, and he got his doctorate in, in, in those things in, in his research about how we're communicating our ideas. Interesting. So, yeah, I know that uh, Gilly, I'm going to have Tyler Gillum on next week. Uh, I get to talk to Gilly. He, he, he's the one who started started mentioning it uh, through one of our, I think, infield happy hours. He mentioned it and then head of the curve, Jonathan had him on. And um, so yeah, I just listened to that and I was like, well, looks like I know the next book I'm getting. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'll look yeah. into it. It's really good. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, um, uh, what are your best strategies, I guess, for connecting people, you know, just looking into that. Um, you know, I, I, we've been on here now in an 40 minutes. You, do you, are you, I'm going to respect your time and you want to, you you want to keep rolling or you want to and I want to respect your time rolling. and get going. Oh, we're you know I mean? Yeah, I got to recruit. I text them say, man, just give me a couple more minutes. We're good. Nah, man, I, I don't want to. Um, you know, we can. Oh, we can also do part two with sheets too if you want to. <laughs> it's up to you, man, it's completely up to you. Like I, I'm 
it's completely up to you. Seriously, I'm uh, good. Nah, man. I was just, I would just want to say, like, I know one thing that I've just loved because uh, I, I love the tangible ideas, the concrete things. I don't know one thing you talked about with connecting people. That was just kind of in my notes, so because yeah. you're just an incredible connector, um, and um, it's something that I also aspire to be, and I, I feel like that's a that's a strength of mine. Um, but one of the a great things I, I did, I did at the ABCA this year yeah. was about how you, the handwritten letter. Oh yeah. After meeting a person. And I could just tell even like, you know, you mentioned about saying the name and saying the name three, four or five times as you get yeah. it. So, you know, it, yeah. and you're doing it even today, which even yeah. shows that, you know, you're using your strategies that you're, you're talking about, you're walking the walk, you know, sure. Sure. um, are there any other great strategy that you've really used to connect with people? You know, you've got a ton of connections. I'm sure now in my mind, like here, because right here where my mind went, when you said about um, your professional players. So I'm sure now knowing the connector that you are, you, I would assume that you probably started to get into like having connections in professional baseball. Well, sure. You know, sure. where this guy said, Hey, this guy just got released and he might be, able to, you know, so yeah. um, how are you growing this connect? Like what is, what is another maybe specific thing that you're using to still connect with people? Man, I, I think the, the, the main um, the main, I guess, tenant that I think drives this is, um, f- I say this, fighting for empathy with the other person. So like, if that person reaches out and says, man, I'm really needing some help. I try to like get on the other side of the conversation and live in their shoes for a minute. And that's, that's like, again, in a podcast, in a interview, meeting somebody, you know, I try to like, man, where's he coming from on this? What's he, what's he meaning by that? Well, why is he choosing that language? So I'm trying to, uh, I may not have been through your situation before, but if I try to see it through your eyes, I'll probably get closer to what you're really getting at, like what you're really trying to say. And that's a a really complex subject. I, I, I get it, but I think that to me is at the core of self awareness and it's at the core of feel is the fact that I could, I can listen and I'm listening. I mean, I'm really, I'm going for that deep, deep connection. And if I'm living in your shoes, dude, you and I are the same person in that moment. And I know that's a a far-fetched idea, but man, I'm telling you, when I believe that, you mentioned earlier when we got going about meeting me at convention and, um, you know, I was in the middle of a conversation. I remember you walking by and we started talking well, man, like you took a minute out of your day to stop and talk to me and Jack. And it's like, well, dude, I've got, I mean, this guy, if he thought that was that important, I need to give him everything I have right now. Because again, my job is to make him feel like he's the most important person in the room. Same way you're doing for me as your guest. Like I'm the most important person. And by the way, your sweet baseball room, like that's a, that, that, that is an endearing place to be. But I think I only arrive there when I get out of the way of, who I am and what I'm thinking. Because in any conversation, there is dialogue that's happening verbally and there's conversations that are happening subconsciously. And if I can get out of that and I'm not listening for anything, I'm not judging what he's saying, I'm just like, I'm in his words. Dude, that's where people, and I love that compliment. They're like, gosh, dude, you just made me feel like I was the most important person in the room. It's like, well, did you enjoy that? Then give that to somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Because that that's yeah. what we want. That's what I want. When I'm my, my athletic director, we meet yesterday and man, he carves out an hour and we do this coaching session and dude, he, I mean, just that's that, that, that call it validation, but it's just that like, 
dude, you are investing in me right now. That's what it comes back to. You're investing your time and energy and focus and concentration into me. Man, that's pretty powerful. And so you want to do that for others. But for me, like I cut through that with empathy. I cut through that with man trying to live inside their shoes. That connection piece, um, it's amazing where that goes because what what might for most look like a glancing blow of a conversation, and dude, that's a tough part of convention. You get 15 seconds, you get 30 seconds, you get a minute, maybe you get five minutes. Like you don't, you just don't get there's so many people. You don't always get the time. But I again lesson learned from my dad. You just don't let 15 seconds feel like 15 seconds. You make them feel like, hey man, I'm I'm giving you as much as I got. And in the course of that time, dude, it felt like forever because of the fact that you have eye contact, because of the fact you're locked in on their words. Like you said, because of the fact you can repeat their name and say it over again. And they're just like, man, he, he, hey, remember my name? Yeah, you just said it 30 seconds ago. But how many people have they met that literally can't wait to get their name out in front and they don't even listen to what your name was. And then by the time they leave, all right, all right, see you, coach. Take it easy, coach. See you, dude. See you, buddy. Hey, man. Hey, Trey. I appreciate you, man. Thanks, dude. All right, have a good night, Trey. I'll see you, dude. Awesome. Like that, I mean, but that's what we want. That, that's the thing. Like you're, 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 you're doing it for others because you know you'll get served on the back end. Like that, that's the tenet of, of servant leadership. And that connecting with individuals in that conversation, and, you know, the, the power of the podcast, which you're starting to figure out, people listen to your show and they honestly, because the, you know, you feel with your ears, that deep feeling that they have listening to a conversation, they feel like they've known you for years. That is the cool, I had literally had a DM yesterday that said, and it is the coolest one to get. I feel like I've known, I feel like we're best friends because you've been listening to the show for like three or four years and I've that's, been, you right. know, that's, well, that's what, funny now. Like you just go through this. I'm like, I just feel like just giving you a big old hug right now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, let's just bring it in here. You know what I mean? Like, let's go, you know? So I'm like, let's do this thing, you know, like a virtual, yeah. virtual hug, you know? <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> like, and that's, what's great about it. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that, that is like connection is on a much deeper level than just a handshake. Oh, hundred percent. Um, I think if you, if, if, if we're working at that, um, with our, some dude we just met, I work at it with the gas station attendant and they didn't ask for it, but man, I try to, they got a name tag. So you just, you just cut it out for me. What's yeah, up? That's, what, that's funny. I talked to my wife about that because my wife's an accountant and she has yeah. clients and things like that. And, it's important for her to get clients and things like that. And so we go to the, just to the restaurant and I'm like, you know, like say her name, you know? So we're yep. always, so it's funny, like that was very uncomfortable for her at first. And it's something that I just naturally just do. Sure. You know, thank you, Amanda. It's great to see you, Amanda. You know, like, Hey, yeah. Amanda, can I get one of these, you know? And then, so like, and now my wife, you know, she started to act on it and she, she really likes it. She's like, what's your name? You know, I'd like to, you know, and so it's just yeah, yeah. those little things. And that was, I got that first from, um, have you ever read the book, uh, how to win friends and influence people? Uh, yeah, I have absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, right. I guess yeah. like, and that's the standard phenomenal, fundamental things. Phenomenal. Sure. Sure. There's just some, you know, there's some power in that. I think the, um, you know, once you, uh, I love this line. It, it really kind of brings it home is that listening to people with there's zero intention of what you're going to gain from that connection. 
or, or asking questions and, or getting to, you know, getting to know somebody and there's, there's no feel that, you know, what, I need to know this guy. I need to know this guy because he knows that guy to get this guy to, get to that mm-hmm. guy. Like that's the part that I think people uh, can read through pretty quickly, but I think it's also um, that's what, what genuine people resonate with. Like I can tell, man, we're just, we're just meeting. And it's like same way at convention. I can tell, man, we're just meeting because we're meeting. And it is what it is. And there is no uh, maybe intent. Um, and not that, you know, certainly people, you definitely want people to help you along the way. I just think it comes back to like the the real mission behind the connection. I think we can never give that enough credit as to um, we know it in other people. So why wouldn't other people know it in us? You know, oh, yeah. like give give people a lot more credit than we're used to. Like, dude. They get it. You know, it's, it's it's the same conversation with your team. Like they know when I'm struggling to find words, they know when they just know they have, they, they have more feel than we give them credit for. Well, so do other baseball coaches. So do other people we meet. So does that waitress. So does that, that gas station attendant, that, that dude, when I walk in knows if I'm being an asshole or if I'm being genuine, mm-hmm. he knows, he knows if I'm genuinely asking him how his day's gone, Hey man, I hope you have a great night. Hey dude. All right, man. Well, I really appreciate you. Like he knows whether or not that tone is from the heart or if it's like, Hey man, I'm kind of throwing a jab at you. Like they, they just do same way our players do. Amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Like I said, I just wanted to give you, you know, big virtual, big virtual <laughs> hug, you know, well, like bring it in here. Well, you know, so I, well. it just, it was just, it was, it was, it was amazing. And I truly think it was, it was an honor, honestly, to have the Godfather, you know, the Godfather <laughs> baseball podcast oh, on here. Perfect. The Don, the MJ, you know, give me my last days. You're like the MJ, you know, it's like uh, the MJ of, uh, I'm, I'm more like the, uh, Bill Wennington <laughs> of baseball <laughs> podcast. Will Try Purdue. Got yeah, straight, take, straight up for Dennis Robin. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. I'll be Will Purdue all day long. No, sir. You're MJ all day long. And we all agree with it, that you're the MJ of baseball podcast, man. So, you oh, know, man. you're so open to connect with people. How, how can, what will be the best way for people to connect with you if they want to after this podcast? Yes. Well, Trey, I appreciate the opportunity, number one, to share and, and, and be as vulnerable with you as, as, I, as I feel like I can be. Um, for anybody out there listening, if we can connect, please reach out. Uh, social media is at Coach Sheets 3. Uh, if you're long-winded and you like to write emails, uh, sheets s h e e t s at stickingballtv.com and uh, if you want my cell phone 502-767-7680 and you can text or call me anytime i i love helping i love connecting i love uh you know being part of the solution so if it's um whatever it is i have a lot of like young coaches that reach out and say hey man can you connect me with a with an older pitching coach perfect I, i'd love being that that conduit um but if it's just you know hey how the episode hit home for you hey can you talk to me a little bit more about this like dude i'm all for it i think that's what we, the way we should be is very accessible and uh approachable and certainly in the spirit of uh, of helping each other because certainly i'm going to call on you Trey and say, Hey man, what can you help me with this? Like that, that's the spirit in which we, we do what we do. Yeah. And I, I think that's, what's the great, uh, the greatest about our sport. You know, I've got a lot of friends in all the sports yeah. coaching in all the sports. And that's something that I feel like is very, is, is puts our sport, uh, in a different category as much as people are willing to share. Sure. That's what I loved even about this, the doing the, doing a podcast is, you know, and just seeing throughout yours, like how many people are just willing to share so much, no doubt. you know, and just even say like, you know, like you, like, and then about, 
uh, we said to coach Thompson, you know, Bush Thompson and just like, yeah, man, like I want to, you know, I love the, however I can help the game, sure. you know, coach Anderson said all these coaches that I've kind of know, or even just don't even know and yeah. willing to share. It's just, it's incredible. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we all have a vested interest in people. Yeah. That's for sure. start. And if you help people, you help the game. And certainly we're all should be stewards of the game. Um, but it's the people, the people are the one that are the caretakers. And so you, you know, it's like when we started the ABC podcast, I said this quite a bit out in front is just that it started as a baseball podcast. And I love the fact that your mission is already centered with where we landed, which was you could literally positively change the culture of coaching. And if you're changing the culture of coaching, you're changing coaches' hearts. If you're changing your hearts, you're changing the way they lead, the way they think, the way they act, the way they treat their players. Like if you're doing that, you're creating a better player experience. If you're doing that, you're truly growing the game. And so you got to get, again, you just got to get to its simplest form. It's the people, the people make this game. Um, and so if you can challenge them to think a little bit differently, not everybody's going to be on board not everybody's going to listen not everybody's going to be at that place of, of, again, vulnerability to listen, but you know what, there's a lot that are, and, uh, you know, soon that's becoming the majority. I think the game has made some, I don't, I don't let the social media traffic factor into my view of the game. Sure. That is, that is just a collection point for opinions. Like, the true feel of the game is what we had in our dugout this year. That, that tells me that we're on the right path, at least in, in our circle that we can control, control the controllables, that we're, we're on to something here. And that, that, that's what you got to measure it against. Giving nuggets all the way out to the end. I love it, man. I hope so, man. I hope so. I really rocked do. It. We really rocked it. So, again, I really appreciate you. You know, yeah. it's truly been an honor. And, um, you know, I wish Kate wishing the nothing but success, man. Keep putting out great content and, you know, being a great leader for us all, man. Appreciate that, Trey. Well, thanks for having me on, my man. Seriously, let me know how else I can help, man. I'd love to help you out in any way I can. Sheets just hit it out of the park. He is as good as advertised. Coach Sheets has a tremendous gift being able to communicate and be a connector. And this is a very memorable conversation for me. Um, I know we joked about given a virtual hug, but it's something that was truly real during the time and just how um, you just feel very close with Sheets after getting done talking to him, and it's a conversation I will never forget, and I truly want to thank him. Um, and just a couple notes, thinking that just getting to listen to it again. You know, editing can be really tough, you know, editing a podcast and um, – having to listen to it all again and, and, and making your notes, you know, sheets of gave me, gave me some ideas about doing, being even better at podcasting. Um, so I even got some, some even more information just from our conversation. Uh, but having, going back to, this is one that I enjoy, really enjoyed going back and editing and really following through it and listening to it all again. Just with the messages of him being consistent I love how you talk about fighting for empathy for others. Don't let 15 seconds feel like 15 seconds. Be constant evaluate, constantly evaluating. Constant evaluation mode. His vulnerability to people and the deliberate messaging. Deliberate messaging as a coach, as a leader. Um... And just being, and being as a leader, being a, as a head coach, being a person of, of authority, I think you can never land on being short, short-sighted. 
and understanding the weights of your decisions and how they will impact you down the road. Just some tremendous amount of information. And I hope that, you know, if you have anything else that you'd like to, maybe you got from this that you want to reach out to me, please feel free to email me at treytcobb at gmail.com or you can reach out to me. My DMs are open on Twitter at Coach3Cobb. Please reach out to Coach Sheetinger Sheets if you have any questions for him after this. I'd love to hear the feedback from it. Um, love for you to share share the message, share the episode. Sheets is only wanting to grow the game, and that's all we're really trying to do. And so, again, I just want to thank you for joining us or joining again the podcast and sticking with us here an hour and 40 minutes into the show. So until next week, hope that you continue to get better. And again, thank you to Coach Sheets for the devoted, deliberate messages that you gave today. So thanks, everyone. Hope you have a great week. Keep getting better.